I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, back at his home in western Pennsylvania, off the sunny shores of Florida, and talking more Penguins hockey because it is the dog days of summer. We're running out of the stories to talk about. NHL general managers are getting ready to go on their vacations. So it's time to start talking about the minutia of the Pittsburgh Penguins offseason, and that includes the fact that they right now have a prospected average age of 30 years old. That's where we're going to start. We're also going to talk a little bit about Matthew Kachuk before closing out the show with our shout-outs and call-outs. But Horwat, we're both, what, 24, 25 years old. 30 doesn't seem very old to us, but in the hockey world, an average age of 30 is good for the oldest in the National Hockey League. 30 doesn't seem old, but it's creeping up on us quickly. Um, Don't say that. It it kind of is. (laughs) But, um, yeah, can you tell where we are truly in the slowest time of the year? I mean, the day after the baseball All-Star game is literally the slowest sports day of the year, in a a normal non-COVID year at least. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, the, the Penguins are 30, ladies and gentlemen. That's old in hockey terms, considering it is a league. We've discussed this for a long time now. And a league that is continuously, continually getting younger. Mm -hmm. Uh, The average team age continues to drop. Um, For a couple of seasons now, this was a number or a uh, title held by the Washington Washington Capitals. We have now taken it over. And honestly, Mm -hmm. re-signing guys like Latang and Malkin. uh, Rust, we forget, is on the wrong side of 30 now. Uh, They're all older, older older-ish, and... I'm not saying this is a good or a bad thing, but it definitely sets the stage for what the Penguins are trying to be, and that is not a rebuilder or a team looking to get younger. They want to st- remain a contender with their old core, and that was obvious, but seeing this number also, don't forget, part of this number is because Jeff Petrie was added. Mm-hmm. So the number wasn't that high, but uh, as time went on, the age grew so it's definitely a factor in the fact that they're not that's not their focus getting younger is not their focus right now Mm -hmm. 
And when you look at it, obviously, you mentioned Jeff Petrie gets added. They also signed Jan Ruda, who's over the age of 30 as of right now, re-signing Casey DeSmith, who's now 30 years old. Brian Dumlin's over the age of 30. And then there's also multiple players, i.e. Ricard Raquel, they bring back at the age of 29. That doesn't help the average to go down, but let's talk about what that impacts. And when we look at it, obviously... The Penguins have yet to bring back Kasperi Kapanen, who's 25 years old. We all expect him to sign a new contract, which will probably lower the average age under the age of 30. But as of right now, that's where they stand. And if that's where they end up going, which like we said, they probably won't. If that's where they end up being at the start of the regular season, that will be the oldest Pittsburgh Penguins team since the 1967-68 season which for those of you that remember Pittsburgh Penguins history was the inaugural season of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So it would be the oldest team since the first year the team ever existed. And then there's another tidbit that doesn't lean towards a very positive light for the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. And that is the only team over the age of 30 on average to win the Stanley Cup since 2000 is the Detroit Red Wings. They did it twice, once in 2002 and the second time being in 2008. So no team that has averaged over 30 years of age has won a Stanley Cup in the past 14 seasons. So the Pittsburgh Penguins, although I try not to make it a habit of doubting Sidney Crosby ever, that's going to be an uphill battle this season. It's it's not Crosby you're doubting in this, though. No. It is the rest of the team. While looking at 30, it does not mean that this team cannot compete or contend, by the way. Let's get that out of the way right now. Just because they are 30 years old does not mean they will not be one of the top teams in the league. They still can be. It is a matter of winning games. It doesn't matter who is on the ice. Mm -hmm. It is just a matter of the right things going the right way. The issue with the Penguins, though, is the fact that they do not see themselves as a team that's getting older. They they still see themselves as that fast-paced, quick-skating, puck maneuvering team that won them a couple of cups and even the seasons a couple seasons prior to that they were a pretty quick team they weren't the greatest but they were a pretty quick team at least they still believe that they are that and then that becomes their downfall we saw it quite a lot they think they're a fast team they think they can outskate their opponents when they cannot i don't think i've seen Evgeny Malkin i mean knee surgery aside i don't think i've seen him go full speed in ages like, yeah, we've seen him do his gallop, but that's different. That's not full speed, full truck mock, and that is just him maneuvering. Sidney Crosby's always had some quickness to him, but he's also kind of always been a step behind. He's not the fastest skater. Um, but we had Mike Matheson. He was quick. Now he's gone. We've replaced him with Jeff Petrie. That should be entertaining as hell to watch because Jeff Petrie's supposed to still be good, just mm-hmm. maybe not fast. So... We have to lose this mindset that we're a quick team and just become uh, a passing team, become a puck-moving team first. Because mm-hmm. we have the skill and the passing ability and the uh, what's called chemistry between teammates to really be a puck-moving team. Mm-hmm. This speed thing is going to kill us, and our age is showing it. Going forward, this age is concerning as well because mm-hmm. no one's getting younger and it doesn't seem like we have plans for at least three seasons to change big pieces of this organization. So I'm not saying in three years our average age will be 33, mm-hmm. but it might not be 28, 27. It might be the other direction still. 
Yeah, obviously with the, the contracts that were signed in this offseason, the Pittsburgh Penguins are looking to have an elder statesman, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang to be their core. The question then becomes, how focused do they become on getting younger? How much more focused do they put on getting those younger, talented players? Because right now, the prospect pool doesn't lean towards the fact that they're going to come in and take over like they did in 2016, where you had Brian Rust, Connor Sherry, a year later, Jake Gensel, who all came up in a wave and really took that average age down. And, and, and the core of this question is, does the average age thing worry you? I know, Horwat, you said that maybe not this season, but going forward, yes, a little bit. I am going to remind everybody that they did bring in Ryan Paling is 23 years old. Ty Smith is 22 years old, so it's not like they're ignoring younger players, but the overall average of this team is either almost or over the age of 30. We already run down the names. Obviously, the core, plus Jeff Petrie, Jan Ruda, Casey DeSmith, Brian Dumoulin, Brian Rust. These guys aren't that young anymore, and the history has shown that the older the team is, the less likely they are to go throughout the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup. And at the end of the day, that's the average, That's the goal for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Does this worry me? Not in the least when it comes to making the playoffs, but with a full 82-game season, a guy like Jeff Carter, who has already shown that an 82-game season can really significantly slow him down, it, it does concern me a little bit. I'm not going to count him out because, like I said earlier, I don't count out Sidney Crosby. That's just a recipe to make me look like an idiot. But it's not going to be easy for these older players to get through a full 82-game regular season in a league that is getting faster and faster when natural progression says that they're probably going to be all slowing down to some extent differently for everybody. But still, it's something that's going to make it a little bit more tough for the Pittsburgh Penguins next season. So am I worried about it? Not necessarily this season, but going forward after this season and even late into this season, yeah, a little bit. Oh, yeah, it, it could really take take a toll. Um, I, I like how we took us this long to start mentioning Jeff Carter discussing the age of this team. Yeah. I mean, good for us, right? But, yeah, it being that old takes a toll. Your body is not built the same. You're not as made of rubber as you used to be either. I mean, hell, we've already seen Crosby, Malk, and Latang. We know they are not made of rubber. They are not mm -hmm. bouncing back from injuries quickly. They are not fighting off injuries in, in a game. They are, um, let's just be honest, fragile at times. I mean, we know Latang can be a brick house, but mm -hmm. at the same time, we've seen him uh, really fight off injuries. It's being older, again, it's not, it's not a death sentence, any stretch of the term. Mm -hmm. This team can still be good. We still can be. 30 flirty and thriving if you will but there are pieces that need to be younger it is a matter of having your old core in place but then understanding that you're going to need to surround them with some youth and some speed because not only will that help you with your speed game but if you get the right youth they could be around for a long time and have your team continue to be a contender whenever it does get young again because eventually this team will get young again. Might not be for oh, six more years. Suddenly we have six more years of this team. Not Nothing wrong with that, but suddenly it's like, okay, we've got a lot of time here. Um, you want to have a good team after that. 
So you have to surround these older guys with the younger guys and do it the proper way. It's hard to build on the fly. Paling and Ty Smith are two pieces that, especially Ty Smith, I think, um, two pieces that can be a decent piece of this team's future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think what you're trying to avoid is what you're seeing happen to the Chicago Blackhawks right now and basically what happened to them over the past seven seasons because they win that Stanley Cup in 2015, then they slowly start to, to get worse and worse. All of a sudden, you have Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves on that contract. They had Corey Crawford for a long time. Duncan Keith was on that roster for a long time. They were bringing back guys like Brandon Saad, Andrew Shaw. You saw that start to happen because they were trying to hold on to those last years. And then you see how bad they've been the last couple of years. And now all of a sudden, that youth that they did get wasn't enough. And they had to sell it off to be able to restart again. That's what's happening this offseason. I'm not saying that's the direction the Penguins are heading. Because I do think, in general, the Penguins' core is better than the Chicago Blackhawks' core was. And I also think the team is built around them a little bit better. But at the same time, if you're not careful that's the route that it could go where you have this slight rebuild to try to continue your dominance from an absolutely phenomenal run and then all of a sudden you hold on for a little too long to too many pieces and that's where it ends i'm not saying it's the big three that you're holding on to too long but maybe having ricard raquel for five more years or six more years maybe having brian rust for six more years that's when you can start to get in trouble if you sign Brian Dumlin to a long-term contract after the season, which I don't think anybody expects. But if that's what ends up happening, that, again, leads towards that. Same thing with Jeff Carter. Two years with a no-move clause at the age of 37. That is the kind of stuff that turns you into what the Blackhawks are now, and that's not what the Pittsburgh Penguins need to do. Going forward, like right now, it, this season, it's fine but you can't make a habit of continuing this offseason after offseason. This is one offseason's work by Ron Hextall. I'm not trying to say that he's turned them into, in the matter of two months, what the Chicago Blackhawks are going to be. But at the same time, if it continues, that's when it becomes an issue. Not necessarily now, but in the future. Right, and let's not forget that another part of the Blackhawks' downfall is that they tr attempted to bring the band back together, if you will, with a, with a couple of guys. Brandon Sodden, mm -hmm. the chief among them. At least we're not doing that, you know, because our bringing the band back together would again increase our age. Phil Kessel's still available. He's 34. Would have been Flurry. Flurry's 38, almost 39. Mm -hmm. Like, at least we're not doing things like that because that would again increase our age and then decrease our odds of becoming a fa becoming a faster team and and it decreasing our odds of implementing any kind of youth into this organization. Well, for once again, I think I, I don't know the source of the rankings, but I once again saw the prospect pool rankings, and we are now thirtieth, moving up in the yeah. world. I guess. Thank God, another team was added. I guess. It's brutal being being a uh, prospect in our system right now because uh, not only are you not getting that that much playing time, uh, certain players have been getting fought for to get playing time for years now and have not done it. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's scary being in the minors right now for this team, but for what it's worth, things can change, and they have to eventually. Again, this year, mm -hmm. fine. We'll let it slide this year, because because this year and and the next season uh, are not the ones that we're worried about here. We've discussed yeah. that. We know that Crosby's still going to be great for the rest of his career. We know Malkin <laughs> and Latang, bare minimum, 
have two good years left. Latang maybe a couple more. Uh, Raquel will still be fine. Brian Rust will still be around for at least the next two seasons. He'll still be good. We can say mm-hmm. that. Jeff Carter is Jeff Carter. I don't know. Tristan Jari is going to be a case study this season. Yeah, oh. it's, that's going to be very interesting. Yeah, that's going to be a big topic we'll have to get into down the road. But he's going to be a case mm-hmm. study this season. And then looking at the defense, I mean, whew, so much still needs to change there. But for what it's worth, it's older now. And mm-hmm. they need to implement the youth there now. Yeah. I think it can all be basically encapsulated based on our prospectus for Jeff Petrie because we all expect Jeff Petrie to be a very big help to the Penguins blue line this year and to bring a new factor to the right side of the Penguins blue line but going forward once he gets to the age of 35 next season the age of 36 the following year which will be the last year of his contract will that continue that's what a lot of people are a little bit more wary about so that's basically how you should feel at least I'm not going to tell you how you should feel that's how I feel about the Pittsburgh Penguins is this year yes they are older Yes, it is going to be an uphill battle. Yes, towards the latter half of the season, you're going to have to struggle to find fresh legs on an older team. But I'm not as worried about this year as I am about next season and the season after that. And the thing about it is, that's all up to Ron Hextall. Because he might have loaded up on age for this year, but you can course correct throughout the course of the the offseason. We've seen that this year. If it doesn't work out this year... We need to see him pull the shoot on a couple of guys that are over the age of 30. And Brian Dumlin, that's the easy one. His contract's up, let him walk. But a couple of the other guys, you know, they might have to be on their way. You have to figure out something to do with Jeff Carter if he can't do it this season. You have to figure out something to do with either Ruda or Petrie if it doesn't work out this season. Because those are contracts that if you continue to have them while these players are getting less and less effective can become an issue for your team. One way the Pittsburgh Penguins can certainly get younger is if they trade for Matthew Kachuk, because apparently he's on the he's on the uh, the trade block there for the Calgary Flames. And from what I saw earlier today, a trade is imminent from Kachuk leaving Calgary. So we'll talk about the hypothetical trade package the Penguins could offer up for Matthew Kachuk right after the break. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. One of the bigger surprises of this past week in the NHL world is the notion that Matthew Kachuk is up for trade and will be traded in the coming weeks, maybe even the coming hours. We don't even know because a deal between him and the Calgary Flames is just not going to happen. He informed the team that he will not be re-signing with them. And they're working together to find a destination 
to trade his restricted free agency rights to so he can sign an eight-year contract starting this upcoming season. A little bit of background on Kachuk. If you don't know who he is, obviously, Penguins fans don't always watch Calgary Flames hockey. We all understand that. But Matthew Kachuk, second-generation superstar in the NHL. Of course, Keith Kachuk's kid is 24 years old, plays the left wing. He is a very physical forward and I think another good word for him is annoying on the ice he's kind of a Brad Marchand type where he gets under the opposing player's skin he's very skilled though last season scored 42 goals and 104 points in 82 games played while playing on the same line as Hart Trophy finalist Johnny Gaudreau who also left Calgary earlier in the month and in his career Kachuk has totaled 152 goals 382 points in 431 games played currently the two teams that i've seen that he is expected to gain interest from is the st louis blues which is his hometown and the ottawa senators who of course the captain of that team is brother brady kachuk so horwat before we get into the penguin side of things which I i'm going to start this off by saying neither of us truly expect matthew kachuk to become a pittsburgh penguin so let's not get anybody's hopes up too high before we crush them at the end there we don't expect kachuk to come to pittsburgh we're gonna get into how that would happen in a hypothetical but who do you think ultimately he ends up playing for next season that's really hard i think ottawa would just be fun I, yeah because ottawa's already done a pretty solid job i'm not gonna say phenomenal but a pretty solid job of uh, having an off season i mean <laughs> losing the matt murray contract is a good start sending him off to toronto of all places is an even better second um that's not they picked up claude Giroux, who yeah people are gonna say like the whole argument we just had he's older yeah but he can still do things kind of i still don't and like he doesn't him. need to be their top line center yeah he doesn't need to be the top line center he's gonna have a sheltered role and you know what that's a leadership quality there in ottawa mm -hmm. I'm forgetting the other moves, but I just know they've had a hell of an offseason so far, so why not drop a piece or two to acquire a brother? I'm going to put the money on Ottawa just because I think that's the most fun, and mm -hmm. I honestly, like, this whole uh, Kachuk thing has been so quick. I, You said St. Louis. I don't know how many other teams are, could like, how many other teams could be involved, mm -hmm. so I'm just going to leave it at Ottawa just for the most fun answer. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. I think it would be a lot of fun to see him on either of these two teams, to be completely honest. Obviously, if he's with St. Louis, he's with somebody who's a little bit more of a contender right away than if he goes with Ottawa. But Ottawa's a very young, very entertaining team, and adding a guy like Matthew Kachuk to that roster would take it just to another level. You mentioned, obviously, Claude Giroux, the one deal that I like. We don't have to get into to Ottawa too much. I love that they brought in Cam Talbot. I think that that goaltending situation is much better than it's been the previous five seasons in Ottawa match that with a really good young core a couple really good young defensemen and you have a recipe for a team that could surprise in the Atlantic division but back to the Pittsburgh Penguins honestly I have no idea where Kachuk's going to end up something tells me he's not going to go to either St. Louis or Ottawa because it makes too much sense but I don't know where else he would go. I would think he comes to a United States team. I don't think he stays in Canada just because I don't think Vancouver, like, Calgary's not going to trade to Vancouver or Edmonton. And I really don't think Toronto can't afford it. Montreal, I don't think that's a fit. And Ottawa, again, makes too much sense. So I have no idea where he's going to end up. 
Maybe Seattle, I think, would be hilarious, even though that's, again, Pacific team trading to Pacific team. But who knows where he's going to go? It's Seattle, though. It's... <laughs> it's Seattle. They can do what they want. Um, but nonetheless, let's talk about the hypothetical for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I did put up a poll, and I want to bring it up now because I, I, I forgot to continue checking on it. On our Instagram page, at Iceberg Podcast, whether or not people would like to see Matthew Kachuk be acquired by the Pittsburgh Penguins. And as I scroll through all the polls we have here, it ended up being exactly 50-50, the voting. Would you like to see Matthew Kachuk come to the Pittsburgh Penguins if they could acquire him? No, who wouldn't? It's a very casual piece of... Apparently 50% of voters wouldn't. Well, 50% of voters are thinking realistically because it's a very Mm -hmm. casual piece of, hey, take all of our bad players for all of your good players. Uh, is it though like we'll, we'll get to that in a minute but would you trade good players for matthew kachuk because i would oh uh, yeah i think the right good players yes because he's young he's 24 guess what we have multiple players in our system that are older than that so we'd be mm-hmm. losing some age in a proven commodity rather than a bag of magic beans yeah step one step two he's a good player who cares about the age when he's a good player you it well, it will absolutely hurt losing. So- it would absolutely hurt losing someone in a trade like that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's just a little worth it. My God, redeems the horn is twenty six. <laughs> yeah, wow. He's twenty six. Uh, Teddy Bluger's twenty seven years old. Jake Gensel, I believe, is twenty seven years old. So, even these players that we've been thinking of as young players are now getting into the prime of their career and are not considered young by NHL standards anymore, especially when you have so many 18-year-olds breaking into the league right out of their first year of being in the organization. But let's talk about this and and get to the heart of it. Let's put together a prospected trade package for the Pittsburgh Penguins in order to bring in Matthew Kachuk. Horwath, before we get to yours, actually, you know what? We'll do we'll do the ones that were submitted online last. What is your prospected trade package for Matthew Kachuk? Um, so it's it's hard because it would definitely involve a top prospect like Sam Poole. And I saw a lot of people saying P.O. Joseph. I don't want to lose P.O. Joseph, so I'm going to hold on to him and just say Sam Poole in instead. Mm-hmm. Maybe you also have to toss in a Hollander or a Pustin in. And then, hey, they still have to re-sign someone. Take Kasperi Kapanen, if you will. He's going to be way cheaper, and you can get him for however many years you want for way cheaper. And uh, probably Brian Rust, to be completely honest, just to fill the roster spot. That's exactly where he's going to go, right there. So let me get this straight. You have Poulin, a second prospect that is is basically How about name. Make that second po- prospect a draft pick. <laughs> okay, what round? Ah, whatever. Just say draft pick. Whichever round fits their budget. A draft pick. Okay, just Poulin, a draft pick. I'm sorry, I'm writing this down so I know. Pull in a draft pick, Rust, and anything, and Kapanen is who you said. Okay, so you're giving them two NHL players, a draft pick, and a prospect. Yeah. Okay. Somehow not I don't shedding think, defense doing that. Whoops. I, I, I don't think that gets it done. Still no. Okay. I Even if you make that a first-round draft pick, that's not going to get it done. For Matthew Kachuk, this guy is somebody who brings everything to the table at the age of 24 yes and we'll get to it you're gonna have to pay him a lot of money but it seems as if he's worth a lot of money 
in the NHL. He's one of the top, I would say, 25 players in the league, conservatively, I, I would say that right now. So I don't think that gets it done. My package, and, and you're going to probably say it's an overpay, and I'm sure a lot of listeners are going to be like, that is an overpay. Brian Rust, P.O. Joseph, and two first-round picks. That's what I believe a fair deal, and that might not even get it done still, but that's what I believe is the most I would pay, and also I, I think the least amount that the Penguins can pay to potentially even get in the conversation. Yeah, it, it would cost a top prospect for sure, bare minimum. It would cost an NHL player bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Draft picks are always hard, especially when you're the Penguins. It's not like we're picking top 10 ever anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that second one makes a ton of sense. The, I, I tossed in the Kasperi Kapanen one just because, um, hey, it's two unsigned RFAs. We both have negotiations to do anyway. Let's just swap negotiations. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's real fun that neither of us shipped off a defenseman that we've been trying to ship off for a long time. Yeah. Because it's just not going to happen. Are we just both at the point no. that we don't think this defense thing is going to happen? No, I think it will, but I don't think I don't think that's a piece of business you get done and bring back Matthew Kachuk. That's just I don't think those are two moves that coincide with each other at all. No, it's absolutely not. Uh, I don't. Yeah, you're probably right that yours probably still doesn't get it done either. But it's mm-hmm. that P.O. Joseph thing is just interesting. Be- now let me ask. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's just I was just gonna re- rehash points we've made before on P.O.J. So go ahead. Okay. Well, let me ask you this: if the Calgary Flames see my trade proposal, which is Russ, Joseph, and two firsts, and say, take Rust out, give us Gensel, and you have a deal. Do you make that do you make that deal? You know what? Yes. Really? I don't know why. I think because I've said on this into this microphone before that if a if a team like the Oilers comes calling and says, Hey, we'll take Jake Gensel, we'll give you Connor McDavid, you take that. So I have to be a little free with Jake Gensel here. Um, I think because that's just the immediate roster replacement, top line, left wing. Yeah. Like that's the one for one. Boom. Um, it's because we know Matthew can chuck and do great things. Put him with Sidney Crosby. He could do better things. He becomes a bit more of a, uh, headache to play against on the Crosby line. That opens up Crosby at the age of 35 to do a few more things. Mm-hmm. along with maybe Ricard Raquel. Hey, you know what? We lose Gensel. Put, you can put Russ there. Fine. Fine. You can put Russ on that first line. I'm excited again. Um, it gives them more room to do things because you have someone like Kachuk opening ways. Mm-hmm. So I don't totally disagree to that idea. Okay. So tossing Gensel into that trade, plus, I, like I said, that's just the immediate roster replacement. It makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, let's not forget, Kachuk's younger. It's gonna cost yeah. a little bit more money, but he is younger. What like what's Kachuk like? What's Kachuk's contract gonna look like? We'll we'll get to that in a little bit, but I, I want to close the book on on just the hypothetical trade first. And, and when it comes to the Gensel thing, when I asked the question to you, and I, I guess I hadn't thought enough about it, I was like, no, I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't throw Gensel in there because I like Jake Gensel. But then, but then you actually sit there and think about it, and, and yeah, I would say, you know what, fine, we'll keep Rust, take Jake Gensel. If it's Gensel, Joseph, and two first for Matthew Kachuk, pull the trigger. Why? He is three years younger. He plays the same position, but 
he's also a 40 goal scorer. He has scored over 100 points in the National Hockey League. He brings a much more physical stature. He does draw penalties. He does grab headlines for what it's worth. And also, I believe at the end of the day that you can build a cheat a team around Matthew Kachuk. I can't speak. You can build a team around Matthew Kachuk as your top line left wing. But I don't think that post Crosby, you could build a team around Jake Gensel. Now we we might not have to get the answer to that question because Crosby might play until he's 40 years old. But I think if that ends up being the case and you have to build a team around either of them, I think it's easier to build a team around the three years younger Matthew Kachuk because of how much I think he is better than, than Jake Gensel and what he does differently than Jake Gensel. I'm not saying that he's leaps and bounds better. I just think it is more likely that you can build a team around. Yep. Yeah. The three years younger part's big on that too. Yeah. Because when Crosby does decide to hang it up in, let's say six years, Kachuk is now only 30. Mm-hmm. Not uh, six years on 27 would be 30, 33. I guess I should have just done three years math. Is 33. It's a little harder to build around that because you're just you're just doing what we did literally last year. Mm-hmm. So it's I yeah that makes total sense because now you're building around a 30 year old and again it's still a little aged but it's mm-hmm. maybe you've already had some success maybe he's really ingrained himself into this community into this team whatever mm-hmm. it's easier to build around that 30 year old rather than the 33 year old um, it's still mind blowing that Matthew Kachuk is only 24. So, yeah, I'd say you make that deal to subtract an age. Maybe it costs you a couple bucks, but, I mean, you're taking Gensel off. There's $6 million of it right there. Mm-hmm. Then there's the giant jump that this salary cap is supposed to take in a couple years anyway. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, that two, that extra $2 million you tack on if Kachuk's going to make 8 doesn't seem like that bad. Mm-hmm. And going forward, it just makes so much more sense. That's something to... I like the idea. Again, it would be, let's say Kachuk gets the eight-year deal. Contract talks we'll get into. Let's say it's the eight-year deal that he wants. You have two years left on it. Well, okay, he plays a year, and then you can start negotiating again. Mm-hmm. Now you're on to something. Because, again, you don't know what he'll be at. You know he'll be 30 at the end of it, and we'll see where his play is at that point. Um, but, again, salary cap jump. At that time, you'll be losing – we're assuming Sid gets another eight seven, just because he can do that. We losing. I would think I would think he takes less money, but yeah. I, I think we're getting down a rabbit hole that we that we don't need to in the actual grand scheme of things here. Uh, the last thing I want to ask you really quickly before we get into the, a quick contract discussion is, are you okay with the multiple first round picks though? You know what? I think. Listen, I'm excited about Owen Pickering because he's our first first round pick in a couple seasons now. I think I, yeah, I think I'm excited about it. But, I mean, we haven't had one. We don't have them very often. I'm so used to not drafting in the first round that I've come to really look forward to what the depth the depth draft picks can do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, losing a couple of firsts doesn't mean that much to me anymore. At the end of the day, neither of those first round picks next year or the following year are going to end up as good as Matthew Kachuk would on your team. So you make that deal when you can. Uh, how much would you pay him is the next question I have here because you are making this trade just to acquire restricted free agency rights. You would then have to sign him to a contract. The reason he's making this is to have an eight-year deal. So we already know he's looking for an eight-year deal. He's going to get an eight-year deal. The question is how much money. 
I look at Johnny Gaudreau's contract, seven times 9.75 with Columbus. I look at Robbie Thomas's contract at eight years, $8.25 million in St. Louis. And I say, it's going to be in between there. So you know what? I probably think that Matthew Kachuk makes $9 million next year. And that's conservative. He might make upwards of nine. He might make 9.5, but that eighth year does help. But I, I still think it comes between 9 and 9.5. Do you agree? It sure doesn't exceed the Gaudreau contract. The Rob Thomas one, uh, it was it's kind of asinine to sign a deal like that anyway. So I take that one out of the comparison. But mm-hmm. I would say the number at least starts with 8. Has to. Has to. It at least starts with 8. And it doesn't go past Gaudreau's 9.7, you said? 9.75. Yeah. So I would say, you know, eight, seven, five to nine. Yeah, you're right. It's that range is, it's not a big range. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, I, oh my God, you brought up the Rob Thomas contract and I can't stop thinking <laughs> about it now. But yeah, it, it, it would be probably around nine to nine, two, five to nine, five. Mm-hmm. It couldn't exceed Johnny Goudreau. It just can't. Yeah. So before we switch over to our shout-outs and call-outs, I, I did say I was going to. So let's talk about some of the trade proposals that were taken in by followers and listeners of the show. Wesley Reed said Calgary gets a first-round pick, third-round pick, Dumoulin or POJ, and Kapanen or Zucker. Pittsburgh gets a ch- Kachuk and a fourth and sixth-round pick. One, nothing's coming back with Kachuk. Kachuk is the deal. Uh, two... Again, a little bit, not as much as I've seen, but a little bit of take our bad players, take our issues, fix our problems, and send us the, the solution, uh, which would be great. I love it. But uh, again, ours ours was way more offering and way less taking, and ours still probably wouldn't get it done. Uh, Brett said Zucker, POJ, Poulin, Kapanen, and 2023 first and a 2024 second. Again, which is a lot to send. That's a lot of assets that Calgary will be getting, but that is also basically a list of our issues. We Legere have so many. Legere and Poulin are not what, they're not valued very highly across the NHL as far as prospect rankings. Uh, second round pick and a first round pick, that's getting there. Zucker, listen, Zucker is in the same place that Pedersen is right now, that if you're going to trade him, you're going to be retaining salary or sending a pick and getting not much in return. So again, none of these trades, even the ones we said, are going to get the job done, I feel like. I feel like it's going to be something way more aggressive when it comes to the actual trade package that Matthew Kachuk ends up fetching. Uh, Rory says, Rust, POJ, two firsts plus any other prospect they want, which is basically the same thing I said. So... Rory's on the line, same line as I am, but he said, hey, you can take whatever prospect you want besides Rust, POJ, and two firsts. Because that was what I said. Uh, and then State of Hoppy, of course, said, anyone but Jeff Carter. Which is realistically the thought process that we all expect Ron Hextall to have. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Jeff Carter is untouchable. Thank you very much. It's so wild. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, we know Jeff Carter's sticking around. That's why I didn't touch that name either. Because absolutely, yeah. if, you know... If we're going true, you know, true all thing, true all hands on deck. Jeff Carter's out of here. First, first plane. I'm packing his bags. Mm-hmm. But we do love Jeff Carter still. That's the thing. We're gonna hate Jeff Carter for being around. Then we're gonna watch him play. We're gonna see him do some good things. We're gonna go. Oh yeah, this guy's fun to have around. 
he's not terrible. He's no. just old. Yeah. And it's... <laughs> and later in the season is when that becomes an issue. But at the beginning of the season, Jeff Carter's going to have probably a really good start. Right. And people are going to shut up for a while. And then towards the end of the season, like we saw last year, he might start to deteriorate. But let's finish off the show with shout-outs and call-outs. Horwat, who are you shouting out this week? Okay, now, a lot of people didn't like it. I enjoyed it. I liked... I'm going to shout-out uh, Major League Baseball for... Adding, not not for the game or the home run derby or anything like that, anything that came along with it. Apparently it was the least watched All-Star game of their history. That makes wow. a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked that they added Albert Pujols and it was Miguel Cabrera, right? Mm-hmm. I liked that. I liked that yeah. because the All-Star game truly does not matter anymore to in no. any sport. Sure, uh, baseball ha- has the little implication of Hey, the winner gets home field advantage in the World Series. Well, congratulations. Guess what? 28 of the teams that are participating in this, that will not matter to. So, go ahead. It doesn't matter that much. Um, but I liked that. I liked having the mm-hmm. legacy guys in. that it show, it, and, get, and you gave Albert Pujols a platform to show he could still hit bombs somehow. <laughs> yeah. Really fun. Uh, I just It's just a fun idea. Like, imagine... Mm-hmm this past uh, NHL All-Star game. Who would be in there? What, Joe Thornton for the East, and then it was old. Zdeno Chara would be in there. Zdeno Chara would probably be in there. Uh, I'm trying to think of anyone old from the West. Dustin Brown is the only one I can think of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I, it's it's a good idea. I mean, I don't know how much growing of the game it does, but it gives these older players a proper send-off because – we know, especially in All-Star games, the older guys are not normally in. They're not. Yarmory Yager was in, but that's because his team was just bad around him, and every team mm-hmm. needs to have a representative. So, he sent the older guy. But I just liked the idea. It it made me want to watch it a little more. I still didn't. Mm-hmm. It made me want to tune into the Home Run Derby, which mm-hmm. I couldn't get on ESPN+, Plus, so I didn't watch it anyway. Um, watched highlights. That, that's all I needed. So, more leagues should do something like that. Just, if it's five extra sets of eyes, you've done your job. Because the All-Star game is just so hard to watch across the board anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Give it as much help as you can. And I just thought that was cool. Yeah, Yeah, uh, the All-Star game doesn't really count for anything. Also, if you consider the fact that the AL's won for nine straight seasons. So, even if they have that caveat, it doesn't make that much of a difference. But the MLB is also getting my shout-out this week. So, nice little transition there. I actually really liked the jerseys this year. I know a lot of people did not, but I really liked the All-Star jerseys. It was the same color scheme and the same jerseys, but of course, every player's individual team logos on the crest and on the chest. Not sure why people hated it. I guess I have to do a little bit more research into what people disliked about it. It was the dark gray with the gold and the white with the gold. I thought they looked great, and I know there's still people that want to see each player wear their their regular jersey, their their team's regular jersey. But honestly, I'm kind of over that. I, I really don't need to see it. And I know that it's kind of just a money grab every year for every All-Star game. It's, hey, here's another jersey for you to go out and buy. But I thought watching it, I thought it looked really cool. And I liked, specifically, I liked the NLs. I I liked the the dark gray and the gold. I thought it looked really good together. So I know a lot of people didn't like it. But I I genuinely thought that they looked pretty good. And I might be missing something. But I thought they looked pretty good on, on, what was it, Tuesday. Yeah, I, I thought they were cool. Um... I think maybe because the gold shine made it kind of look 
not the, like the material maybe um mm. also I, I mean maybe because it didn't fit with like like when hockey did jerseys for a while they did they did it based on actually what am i saying baseball did it forever too based on the te- home team's uniforms mm-hmm. like that was kind of the the way of doing it it was you take the home the host team's uniform <clears throat> and sort of design the jerseys around that mm-hmm. they didn't do that because no one wears shiny gold yeah uh, it also i could see well, where people didn't like vegas it. does yeah but i could see where people didn't like it because it looked it looked cheap to be fair uh, i didn't hate it but also at the same time it, every time i saw like a clip from it i was like is this like the 50th anniversary of the all-star game oh wait no it's not this sport's like 200 years old um so i think maybe like that was in the mindset too it made it look like it was an anniversary game when it very clearly wasn't um but it was just los angeles and it had to be bright and shiny (laughs) so i don't know i i can see why people didn't like it but on the surface like you're gonna see those david bednar jerseys walking around pittsburgh and it's gonna be cool which by the way Mm -hmm. also shout out to him because good for him good stuff solid outing solid outing yeah i mean how many pitches was it i didn't see that i saw he forced three ground balls way to go yeah yeah he didn't give up the run that lost the nl the game that would be tony gonsolin of the la dodgers but uh nonetheless let's move over to as i kick my desk let's move over to the call outs this week and it's it's staying with the theme here i'm calling out the washington nationals juan soto has reportedly turned down their 440 million dollar contract offer last week it was for about 15 years so realistically what he wants first of all apparently he wants half a billion dollar contract second of all he just wants a little bit more money per season and i don't think he's comfortable locking himself in to a contract for 15 years with one team that let's be honest even though they won a world series a couple years ago is not continually good at baseball so I kind of understand from his standpoint, but that's not the call-out. The call-out is the fact that the Nationals, quote, refused to charter him a flight to the All-Star game. Your best player, who has been part of a massive, massive success for you a couple years ago in the World Series, he's 23 years old, he's a star, and you refuse to charter him a flight. Now, the thing is, teams cannot charter a flight. I get it. You know, these players... Are, are able to, to take commercial flights. That's fine. The A's were going to do it because the A's are poor. and You expect that, but the A's pitcher instead was taken by the Astros, which was a nice touch. But to refuse to send it is just so sour grapes by the Washington Nationals organization. He's clearly going to get traded. I'm excited to see where that's going to go. But then Soto went on to win the home run derby in LA, which just further pushed this story up the headlines and made the Nationals look that much worse. So he's going to be traded before the August deadline, but uh, talk about burning a bridge, Horwat. That's that's called playing hardball. Man, who, I forget who the uh, GM owner or whatever who's making the contract decisions over there in Washington is. They've been watching too much Moneyball. It's it's not Ted Leonsis. I, don't, I, I know he owns the Capitals and I believe the Wizards but I don't think Ted Leonsis is involved with the Nationals. Yeah, uh, whoever's doing the contract negotiating over there, they've been watching too much Moneyball. That's such a Billy Bean move, I feel like. I don't know why. I just get the vibe that that's, oh, you turned down this offer because you're a great player and we actually believe in you? Okay, figure it out yourself. Fly across country. 
by yourself to the All-Star game where you'll be representing our team. Yep. Because guess what? You're still not wearing a different... You're not showing up John Scott MLB emblem. No, you're still going to wear our name. What if he did, though? What if he was just like... What if he actually like borrowed a jersey from somebody else there and was like, do you have a plain jersey? Like a plain Dodgers jersey? You know how much heat he would have gotten how but how funny that would have been so i'm not the biggest juan soto guy either i'm really not i don't like him that much but uh, he's here's here's another one he's 23 talk about these young guys how good do you think you are that you can turn down that kind of money and he's still gonna get more he's still gonna get he's gonna get that 500 million he will get that 500 million dollars whether that be from the yankees the dodgers somebody that can afford it maybe even the astros I, i don't know but he's going to get traded somewhere and they're going to be like, yes, I will give you the world because you're Juan Soto. Yeah. Yeah. Would you give up O'Neal Cruz for him? Oh, there you go. Stumped him. Yeah. You know what? Because I would too. Yeah. Because, I mean, the, th- th- this guy's already like a proven star. Like O'Neal Cruz, he projects to be. And I'm excited about O'Neal Cruz. I love watching him play. But this guy is a star at the age of 23. Like he is one of the top players. NL MVP every year rocket arm that would nobody hitting a single to right field in pittsburgh would be able to get home safe if juan soda was able to play it cleanly like that would be it and we just drafted another guy who could be our next shortstop so who said he is the next shortstop man let me tell you this team is in shambles sometimes (laughs) also like also again you trade away o'neill cruz because juan soda's younger juan soda's younger than o'neill cruz i think so Oh, Jesus. Yeah, we, we kept O'Neal Cruz in the minors for a long time. Well, I know they did that, but, like, Juan Soto, I guess, has been in the MLB since he was 18 years old. Mm, he's just barely... O'Neal Cruz but is still. just barely older by, like, a couple days. Yeah. But that being said, yes. Um, uh, yes, because that is a proven commodity for a prospect, as good as O'Neal Cruz is going to be. And another thing that does that, if if you acquire Juan Soto... You're telling your fan base you're going to spend money because you have to then resign him. Mm-hmm. Hey, that just means your yeah. team's spending some money, and I would take that. There's a little help, hope in that regard. Sawinski, Reynolds, Soto. Yeah, that sounds good to me. It's fine by me. <laughs> so, Horan, what's your call out? <laughs> uh, well, we did a lot of talking on them earlier. I want to call out the Calgary Flames because what are you doing? You just had a very good season yeah. and can build off of it. Uh, and now you're doing nothing. You're losing You've already lost, Goudreau. You're going to be losing uh, Kachuk. You still have to sign uh, Mangiapane, by the way. Mm-hmm. What are you just? Just what happened? I, again, I've been paying that much attention to it, but seeing good players leave and in this fashion is not ideal. Mm-hmm. Sean Monahan was going to be the one to get sent out last season. He stuck around and had a really good season. Could have been better. And they're doing it again this year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, calling them out because they're not learning from their mistakes as you should in this league. A star player left a Canadian market to play in Columbus. It doesn't sound correct. No, it doesn't. And don't get me wrong, that whole that whole discussion can also just be reflected on the Flyers because that is quite literally where Goudreau wanted to go. Um, yeah, they they were like, nah. Yeah, what? They were nah. A whole nother sh- uh, call-out section could be dedicated to Chuck Fletcher this month. So This month, every, sing- every other episode it could be, yeah, I'm calling out Chuck Fletcher for, just for no what reason. he's doing. Yeah. But, but 
Yeah, it just you're you're watching your guys leave. You're not you're, mm-hmm. you're gonna get a haul for Kachuk, but I mean, at what cost? Yeah, you got to break it down and figure something else out because it, it is the the current iteration of the Calgary Flames is over now. After one season, because really it could have been something. Uh, I would say a couple. They had a couple years because the year prior they won the the Pacific, I believe. Yeah, and I'm thinking along the lines of like, or sorry, I guess the year prior was the Canadian, Canadian division, division. Yeah, where they were so, bad. Yeah, but yeah, you could have had so much done here. You could have really done something. Mm-hmm. You could have beaten McDavid. Genuinely think you could have. Don't know what happened. Yeah, their goaltender just turned to ash. Yeah. He just did nothing. Just kind of disintegrated. But uh, I, I do want to say one last thing and have a little extra call out on this show. Because Horwat, have you watched or, or do you watch Stranger Things? I doubt it. No, I do not. Not yet. You do not. So for those who watch Stranger Things will understand this. And there's a little bit of tie-in to you as well. Uh, I'm calling out myself... Because I would describe my music taste as sporadic, but mostly I listen to classic rock. You know this. 70s, 80s, I listen to that. So in Stranger Things, in the in the most recent season, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it, to get away from the bad guy, you have to listen to your favorite song on, on loop. If you're listening to your favorite song, he can't hurt you. So Spotify, in return, does those playlists where they create a playlist based on your taste and your likes... And they order from 1 to 50 the top 50 songs that would save you from Vecna, who is the bad guy. Mine happens to be, I told you, I love the 70s and 80s classic rock songs. But my the number one song that will save me from the bad guy in Stranger Things is the Jonas Brothers <laughs> sucker. I, did, I, I could not believe when I saw that. I was like, I don't listen to this song very often, but I guess that's my favorite song now. Thanks, Spotify. I... I'm a little baffled by mine because I didn't realize that's what that playlist did. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, the effect that uh, Megan has had on my own Spotify, my my second one on here should have said no by Taylor Swift. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but my first one is Joy Division's Love Will Tear Us Apart, which, great song, very depressing, but uh, okay, I guess. Hey, it'll keep you safe if you ever in Stranger Things. Yeah, and then there is, uh, it, is Master Puppets on everyone's playlist for this, by the way? Yes, okay. because it's it's a it's a big plot point yeah. in the show. That's why. Yeah, that's what I figured. Um, but mm-hmm. just interesting. Uh, this... Yeah, Master of Puppets is like fourth on mine, which is fine because I like that song. Yeah, it falls fourth behind Aerosmith's Walk This Way, which again I don't think I've listened to in like three years, but okay. Spotify playlists for me, I could call out those playlists every week because they're always so weird. Yeah. I, I enjoy them. I, I I do. I get the same five songs. For the most part. It's really annoying, actually, because... Well, then maybe you need to fix your music taste. That's what Spotify's telling you. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, I sir. try so hard. <laughs> but that's... Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening to us. We have plenty more to discuss as the summer rolls along, but that's going to do it for this one. See you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend, Pens fans. You can follow the hosts on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. 
This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.